in music. Appreciate it very much. This morning, I want to address the topic on how to enjoy life. If I were to ask you, what would it take for you to enjoy life? I wonder what you might respond. What to you makes life enjoyable? I went to the Internet and just uh, typed in a search. How to enjoy life? Thousands of uh, responses came up to that, that question. Some that I would expect from having a smartphone to riding in a beautiful car. There were some that I did not expect. One of them was enjoy life by setting a domino toppling record. The current record is 275,000 dominoes. So just put up 275,000 dominoes and topple them over what joy that will bring. Not only that, but it also will set a Guinness Book of World Records. I only could think about the frustration of setting up 269,000 dominoes and accidentally hitting them before you get to 275,000. Uh, that to me didn't sound like a lot of fun. Uh, one said, how to enjoy life? Enroll in country line dancing. Going to do that next week. All right. So, you know, how to, how to enjoy life. In education, there are three R's for the rudimentary elements of a good education. They are reading, writing, and arithmetic. The three R's. Obviously, spelling is not one of them. But, uh, but reading, writing, and arithmetic is supposed to set you on a good course for an educational study. This morning, we're going to look at three R's in how to enjoy life. They are rejoicing, removing, and remembering. If you look at the text with me this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9. It reads, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood. Verse 10, So remove vexation from your heart. And chapter 12, verse 1, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. So here are three imperatives, three commands, three admonitions on how we need to enjoy life by rejoicing, removing, and remembering. So first, in order to enjoy life when we are young, we need to rejoice in our youth. Rejoice in our youth. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood. Be glad that you are young. Youth is a time for happiness. 
Learn to appreciate and don't lose sight of the benefits of being young. You don't want to miss out on that. You want to guard against anger or bitterness or developing an attitude in which you fail to recognize that you are in, if you are young, one of the most wonderful times of your life. Now, the word for young here can be anything from a child up to a young warrior. So anything from a child to a young adult, they are considered the primary years for happiness, for happiness. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9, be happy, young man, while you are long, while you are long, young. Let your heart make you happy. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and now these words, and let your heart be pleasant. Or the NIV, let your heart give you joy. Learn to be carefree. Free of anxiety. Free of, of worry. But let your heart be carefree. Walk in the paths of your heart with your eyes wide open. Notice Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Follow where your heart leads you and what your eyes see to do. Earlier, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon said this, Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood with me, and all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all of my labor. My heart was pleased because of all my labor, and I didn't refuse my eyes or my heart anything that they saw. Now, this isn't speaking about pure hedonism. This isn't a license to sin. This isn't encouraging us to be engaged in all kinds of evil or untoward behaviors. For we find in Ecclesiastes 11.9 that yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So we need to keep God in mind. We need to keep God in our senses, in our, in our picture, in our worldview when we're young. But with God in mind, then give your heart and your eyes to whatever pleases them, whatever is given for you to do. And Solomon equates that primarily with labor and the fruit of one's labor. Learn to enjoy your work. Learn to enjoy your work. As a young person, as you begin thinking about what it is that you are going to do with your life, what it is that you are going to be engaged in, 
for years to come. Be sure that one of the criteria that you use to make that decision is, is it going to be something that I'm going to enjoy? Is it going to be something that, that I really like to do? You see, if, if your only goal is to get rich, you may find yourself doing things that you don't really enjoy doing. My, my brother had a number of different uh, occupations as he went through life, and many of them uh, provided a great deal of wealth, but he didn't really enjoy doing them. And so he'd cast aside one thing, then pick up another and uh, make money, but he didn't really enjoy doing that either. I can't imagine what it would be like going to work, hating your job. I'm blessed. I love what I do. I find great pleasure and joy in what I do. And it's something that kind of consumes my whole life. And if I were doing something that I hated for all the hours that you do it, I just can't imagine that situation. So, think about what it is that you would really desire to do. Make that a matter of prayer. Take that to God. Keep God in view in that process to be sure But do something that you enjoy and are gifted to you to do. One rabbi has said, and I quote, Mankind will have to give account not only for what it is they do, but also what it is that they fail to enjoy. Rejoice. Rejoice. And if we do not rejoice, it is something that we need to give account for. Uh, We are told, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So to be happy, we need to learn to rejoice. Secondly, in order to enjoy life when we are young, we need to remove difficulties from us. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 10. So remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. To remove is literally go in the opposite direction. One away from difficulties. The word that's in the NAS that's translated as vexation includes such ideas as grief, anger, and sorrow. Run away. From those things. Put them far behind you. Grief, anger, and sorrow. This is not a passage that's teaching us to run away from responsibility, however. We need to be responsible. We need to work. But we need to realize that many of the choices that we make in life could lead to could lead to grief, anger, sorrow, regret. So, make informed decisions. Think about the consequences of life. Think about what decisions 
that when you make them, what is going to be the result of those decisions? I run into many people who look at themselves as experiencing a lot of bad luck in their lives. When in reality, that bad luck is merely the consequences of the decisions that they have made. It's not luck at all. It is the natural outcome of the path that they set out. Watch the path that you walk on. Run from sorrow and anger and grief. And run towards joy and peace and contentment. All the time, keeping in mind that you're not going to be young forever. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 10. So remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. You don't have as much time as you think. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We don't realize what uh, we are facing in life. You're not always going to be able to do what you're able to do when you're young. This is true because of many reasons, including are the physical limitations that come upon you. Also because of the responsibilities that you encounter. When I was a young person, I had a goal. I had said to myself, I didn't make it a public goal, but, but I said to myself that one of the things I was going to do before I died was memorize the New Testament. Memorize the New Testament. I made that goal when I was 16 years old. When I was 16, I could memorize incredibly easily and well. I could go over a portion a few times and it was with me. Then I'd have to review it, but but I could memorize well. I can't tell you the difference between then and now as I sit and try to memorize Scripture. It's a lot more work now than it was back then, and I have to continue to review more and more. I am ashamed to say I did not accomplish the goal. I didn't even come close. And one of the reasons is because I wasted those early years. I thought I'll have time. I thought that as I read the scriptures and and things, that these things would come to me. And... I didn't take advantage of the time in which memorization came very easily to me. Remember that childhood is fleeting. You're not always going to have the opportunities or the abilities to do now what you can do later. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know what is going to take place in your life. Now, an opposite illustration. When I was a, a kid, I lived uh, in the boonies, out in the Mooresville, Charlottesville, Hamburg kind of area, for those of you that know Burst County. And uh, I would guess that we lived about 16 miles from what then was the fairgrounds. 
You remember, those of you who are older, do you remember the, the Reading Fairgrounds? And they used to offer races, how many? Yeah, a few of you, okay. Well, on a warm summer night, those races were so loud that they could be heard at our farm. I could hear those cars going around a racetrack, even though it was about 16 miles away. I can imagine how loud it must have been when they got the, uh, when, when you got there. My brother is nine years older than I. And the last thing he wanted was this little brother tagging along. I was a nuisance. And each year he would go to the races at the fairgrounds. And I'd always beg him to go because I always liked cars and I always enjoyed uh, reading about cars and, and uh, it was a hobby. Well, he would never take me. So I'd whine and complain and go to my mother and she'd say, one day you're going to be old enough and you're going to be able to drive yourself to the races. One day you'll be able to go. So I kept looking forward to the time when I would turn 16 and go to the races. Well, in my 15th year of life, the raceway closed down. I never did get to the races. Now, that's not a huge thing. I, I'm okay. <laughs> it, it didn't affect me too badly. But, but the idea was, you're always going to be able to do that when you get older. Not always. Not always. Don't put off till tomorrow thinking that you always will have that opportunity. You may not always have that opportunity. It's tragic when people feel that they have missed out on their youth and when they try to go back and relive it when they are older. When married people want to act like they are single again. When 40-somethings go through a midlife crisis and they wake up and find out they don't want to do what they're doing anymore and they want to go back. They want to go back. One of the really amazing verses in Scripture, and rather than just read it, would you turn with me to this, this passage? Because I just find this so striking. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, starting at verse 1. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel, across the Jordan in the wilderness, in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and Dizabah. It is 11 days journey from Horeb, by the way, of Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the eleventh month, Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had commanded him to give them. The children of Israel managed to turn eleven day journey into forty years and eleven months. They were wandering in the wilderness for forty years because of their sinfulness, 
because of their disobedience, because of their unwillingness to enter into the promised land uh, when they sent out the spies. And as a result, they wandered for 40 years. Those were 40 wasted years. The last thing that we should want in our lives are 40 wasted years. Life is too precious. Time is too short to kill time, to waste time, or to pass time. Serve God while you are young. Thirdly, in order to enjoy life in our youth, we need to remember God. Take God into consideration in your choice days. Look at Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Now the word youth here is a different word uh, than uh, we've been looking at. Uh, In the Hebrew, there's a play on words. The word youth here is actually the word for choice days. Choice days. And it can be taken in two different ways. It could be taken in the way in which these are the prime days of your life. The choice days. The time of life in which you are at your best. That's already been seen in the text. And so I think that the primary emphasis now is a second emphasis. And that is the choice days could be days of choice. Days in which you are making choices. One of the scary things about being young is that it is the time in life in which you're going to make some of the most significant choices in your life. Those teenage years, early 20s, You're going to have to decide the way in which you're going to conduct yourself. You're going to have to decide on what kind of physical behaviors you're going to enter into. You're going to have to decide if you're going to live a life of godliness or promiscuity. Secondly, you're going to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life. You're going to decide whether you're going to go to college or go directly into the workforce. You're going to decide if you go to college what your major is going to be, where you're going to go, and uh, what it is that you're going to study, how much debt you're going to encounter in order to uh, obtain that education, a debt that you may be paying off for many, many years afterwards. You see, there are just so many important questions that govern the rest of your life. Look at Ecclesiastes 11, verse 8. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. Let them rejoice in them all. We need to make decisions as a young person so that we enjoy life not only today, but we enjoy it tomorrow. And we enjoy it for the rest of your lives. The decisions that you are going to make in your teens, in your 20s, are going to determine what the rest of your life is like. One of the biggest choices that you're going to have to make 
as a young person is, who am I going to marry? And I would say to you that there is not any more important choice than that, second to receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. But in this world of human choices, there is no more important choice than who you're going to marry. Who you're going to marry. I married when I was 24 years old. I am grateful. This summer, my wife and I are celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary. It's coming up August the 12th, right? Yeah, Yeah, August 12th. I have a hard time remembering that because we were going to get married on June the 3rd, but uh, that didn't work out. So we got married on August the 12th. 35 years ago. I can't tell you how thankful I am because that has been, humanly speaking, the most important decision of my life. I loved her then. I love her now. But she has watched over me. She has cared for me. You have seen how she's dealt with my limitations and the physical issues. I tell you, there's nothing more important than who you marry. And it is frightening to me when people are making those decisions in a time of spiritual apathy. Indifference. Maybe they're born again, but, but you know, there's a tendency in your youth when everything is going well not to be at the top of your game spiritually. Not to be reading your Bible. Not to be praying. To be looking at qualities in people that have more to do with physical attributes than they do with the kind of moral behavior and and the spiritual depth that, that they possess. And as a result, many people make bad decisions that they have to live with for the rest of their lives. And it really diminishes their joy. It diminishes their happiness. They make sexual decisions that is going to diminish their future joy and their happiness. So remember the Lord in these days of choice, these days of making decisions. If you're in a public school and uh, you're going to see a guidance counselor, about what you should do with your life. Uh, They may give you a test. They may look for aptitudes. They may gear you, uh, direct you towards what jobs are most likely to be available when you graduate, or what openings are going to be present, or how much money you're going to make. But unless you have a very, very rare guidance counselor, they're not going to say to you, go home and pray about it. Ask God to direct you. Examine your spiritual gifts and think about how they could be used, whether that be in a, in a secular realm or uh, in a non-secular realm. But what is it that God has given you the ability to do? What does God want you to do with your life? That's the primary question to be asked when you're young. What does God want me to do? With my life.
I was actually 10 years old when I came to the conclusion that uh, I ought to be a pastor. I was sitting in a church service and uh, we had a guest speaker and he was challenging us to dedicate our lives to the Lord and to ask if there was anyone that would be willing to give their life to serve the Lord. And I remember at 10 years old saying, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor. And I was on that trajectory from then on and on. What does God want you to do? God doesn't want everybody to be a pastor. I'm not saying that by any means. God doesn't want everybody, quote unquote, in full-time Christian work. I'm not saying that. But God wants all of us to use our gifts and our abilities and our talents to serve him. And so we ask ourselves, how can I serve God with my business, with my trade, as a teacher? doesn't necessarily mean that you're teaching in a Christian school. You teach in a public school and serve God. No question about it. What does God want you to do? That's the primary question when you are young. As I said, there's a tendency to forget God in times that are, are good. Notice Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. One man has said, there are no atheists in foxholes. There are times in our lives in which we are just driven to the Lord. Times of darkness. Times of hardship. Times of difficulty. You see it on our nation. Our nation is apathetic towards prayer until there's a Columbine shooting. And then all of a sudden, we're called upon to pray and to seek God. Or there's a 9-11. Those of you can remember uh, September uh, 11th uh, in that great tragedy that came to our nation. But remember how there was called for a day of prayer? Our president asked churches to be opened so that people could gather there to pray. In times of hardship and difficulty, it is natural for us to turn to God. And unfortunately, it is just as natural in times of prosperity and when things are going well to forget God. That was the message of Deuteronomy chapter 6. When Moses said to the children of Israel, that they should not forget God when they entered into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, when they are inhabiting houses that they did not build, when they're eating the vineyards that they did not plant, when everything's going well, don't forget God. And that's one of the very reasons that the temptation is present when you're young. Because there is a tendency to think, I don't need God. Why do I need God? Why do I need to pray? Life's going great. I feel good. I'm happy. I'm enjoying life. Remember, Creator, before the evil days come, before the years draw near, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Don't live your life in such a way as 
to cause it to be filled with regret. If only. If only I had done differently. If only I would have made different choices. Remember God while you are young. The difficult days then are described in in verses 3 to 8. They're kind of depressing. I'm just going to go over it quickly this morning. There are a lot of word pictures here to describe what it's like to grow old. Our bodies deteriorate. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 2, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, before you can't see very well, before you become feeble, verse 3, when the keepers of the house tremble. And we've all seen older, elderly people walk that when they were young could walk well and they get older and they begin to get shaky. Those who are strong will eventually slouch. Verse 3. And the strong men will stoop. Our teeth are going to fall out. Verse 3. When the grinders cease because they are few. Our eyesight will deteriorate. And those looking through the windows grow dim. We become fearful in our old age. One of the things that happened to us is we become anxious. We become worried about things that we never worried about before. When uh, the army uh, is looking for volunteers, and uh, during the time in which we had uh, a draft, there's a reason during the Vietnam era that uh, 18-year-olds were drafted. I remember that was a big issue when I was 18 because you could die for your country, but you couldn't vote. You could die for your country, but you couldn't drink and all these things. Well, one of the reasons they want 18-year-olds is because they're fearless. When you get older, you start worrying about things. We are afraid to wander outside. Please ask the 12-4. When the doors to the street are closed... When we startled by the slightest noises, look at verse 4. When men rise up at the sound of birds, when they're startled, when they're startled. We'll be startled by the slightest noises, even when we don't hear very well. Notice, when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. You can't hear people sing, but you see these birds fly up and they, they startle you. That's one of those strange things in life. You know how you can't hear as well as you once did, but the noises that you do hear startle you. They, they make you afraid. These are all limitations. We become afraid of all kinds of dangers. Verse 5, when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. Think about it. You men who do a lot of physical labor, Do you handle being on roofs like you once did? Would you want to change the light bulbs in this? I can remember as a kid 
Sorry for all these personal illustrations, but they mean something to me. Uh, we had about, uh, I, I think, I think it was about a, a 90-foot silo. Could a silo be 90 feet high? Yeah, okay. I think it was 90 feet. And uh, outside, there was a ladder on this thing. I used to climb that thing, not thinking a thing about it. 90 feet in the air. I climb on, on that ladder uh, in order to uh, work on the outside of the silo. I, man, I couldn't climb 90 feet today, obviously. But even if I could, you wouldn't get me to do it. Okay? And, but there's a, a different mindset when you're young and when you're old. Our hair turns white, if we still have hair. Ecclesiastes 12.5, when the almond tree blossoms. A time which we will have nothing to look forward to but dying. Verse 5, when men are afraid of heights and dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along. Man, you know, think about that. Grasshopper drags himself along. Uh, you think of a grasshopper hopping. I think of that verse when I'm now using this walker. Dragging himself along. Uh, desire is no longer stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. I have uh, my own theory on why time flies as you get older. And why it drags when you are younger. And my theory is, for what it's worth, is because when you are young, you have all these things that you're looking forward to. You know, you can't wait till you turn 16 because when it's 16, you can drive. Yeah. Okay. So you're looking forward to 16 and then you're looking forward to graduation. And then after you're looking forward to graduation, you're either looking forward to going to work or going to college, and then you're looking forward to graduation again, or you're looking forward to marriage. And there are all these milestones that you keep looking forward to and longing for. But after you've graduated, and after you've got married, and then you look forward to the kids, well, then there isn't much but looking forward to grandkids. There aren't many great events left. And so you're not really looking for anything anymore. You're more in a maintenance mode. You're just kind of letting life go by. Waiting for retirement, I guess. And uh, I certainly don't look forward to retirement. So, remember God in the days of your youth. They are the best days in your life. Live them in such a way that you can enjoy all the days of your life. Make good, wise, God-honoring decisions. Remember Him in your, do, your youth. Before the evil days come. Before the time in which you're driven to God because you have no place else to turn. While you are still strong and able. Look to God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and we would ask that you would help us. We do pray for those in our congregation who, uh, that second category of descriptions, for those limitations, uh, we are beginning to experience. Lord, help us not to become frustrated in those, but may we recognize that that's a part of life and 
May we serve you well in whatever stage of life that we are in. And may we continue to remember you in, in all phases of our lives. But we pray in particular this morning for our young people, for our young children, for our teens, for our young adults. Help them in all the decisions that they are making. And most importantly, as they make them, may they seek your will. May they seek your guidance. May they seek your direction. And may they choose to do that which is pleasing and honoring and glorifying to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.